All right, assalamualaikum everyone. We're gonna start in just a couple of minutes. Um, I will give everyone a second to join and then we'll start right at seven o'clock. Yeah. I guess I'll adjust my camera. I apologize, I just moved and I'm in my brother's room currently. Um, this was the best room with the best lighting and best acoustics so you couldn't hear any background noise. So I apologize for his closet um, and anything else that you might see. I tried to tidy up a little bit, but this was uh, what I could do right now. And inshallah for the next one, it'll be a little bit better. <laughs> Oops, sorry. Okay. So I think I'll just start. I, I'm pretty sure it's seven o'clock or at least close enough to seven o'clock. Um, so assalamualaikum, my name is Hira and I am one of the peer support workers for the Muslim Care Center. I am also a social worker for the Ministry of Children and Family. Um, and today I'm coming up on this live to talk a little bit about relationships and communication. Um, and that's quite a broad topic. So I'm going to try and break it down um, to a more simple version um, so you can take away a couple of things uh, from this seminar. Um, so when we talk about relationships, um, today I'm going to be touching on not just relationships with like your family, um, but also relationship with yourself um, and communication, um, how that ties into all different forms of relationships, whether it's yourself, whether it's your family, your spouse, your kids, people at your work, um, all of those things are vital when it comes to being uh, able to communicate effectively. Um, and that's something that I find is uh, a skill that is learned. Um, and it's a skill that I have been trying to learn over the past like number of years. Um, so the first thing I'll talk about um, is the relationship with yourself. Um, so we are our biggest critics um, and we tend to you know, overanalyze ourselves and be really, really hard on ourselves when it comes to our actions, our goals, our dreams, our aspirations, the way we look, the things that we do. And it's very, very important to understand that our inner voice, that voice that we have inside ourselves, um, is something that needs to be more kind. Um, it's very easy to be disappointed in yourself when you can't achieve a goal or when something doesn't go your way. But we have to take moments to reflect um, and think about ourselves in positive ways and give ourselves that time and space to grow and to heal. And that relationship you have with yourself is very important because if you're not going to be kind to yourself, then who is, right? Um, so taking a moment, you know, in a day, especially a day where, you know, things have been very hard to appreciate one thing about yourself is very important. And when I say that, you know, I'm not saying you have to sit there and talk to yourself, which which is healthy and that's fine. But even like a thought process or giving uh, yourself more um, time to just relax, um, giving yourself some self-care time and just appreciating something that you've done that day or appreciating the way you look that day, um, an action that you had, a kind word you gave someone, that's super vital and super important. 
Um, some of the ways that I do that is I have something called daily affirmations. So when I wake up in Oh, sorry, something's happening. There we go. Um, for people uh, who may not do this, is getting up in the morning and looking at yourself and saying one thing that you appreciate about yourself. Not only does that make you feel better, um, it kind of builds that uh, self-love that you have uh, for yourself in that moment. Um, and that's very important, right? Um, now, all of this isn't talking about things like, you know, being egocentric or, you know, being very full of yourself. It's just showing kindness to yourself. Um, and once you have a sort of set way of doing that and you can appreciate yourself, then your relationship with others should start to improve as well. Now, these things that I'm going to talk about today aren't going to happen overnight, right? You're not going to wake up in the morning and be the best communicator in the entire world. You're not going to, you know, learn all of the skills. You know, I've been doing this for a long time and even today, um, there are things that I need to learn and improve on. Um, then we have a relationship with, let's say, people in our circles. Um, so people who uh, are in our friend circles, our family, um, your you know people anyone who's close to you essentially um that relationship with them you know can differ depending on who that person is now i know a few uh questions that we've had before is you know how to communicate better with your spouse or how to communicate better with your kids and all of that is something i'm going to cover um today so the first thing and i think the most essential part of uh, being a good communicator is being able to actively listen and being able to listen well um, I used to teach and I used to tell my students that God gave us two ears and a mouth for a reason. We need to be listening more than speaking, especially when we are trying to get through some a situation or a challenging, um, you know, part of our relationship that might come up. Now, with listening, there's a couple of things that you can do um, that shows that you are paying attention. If you are going to have a serious conversation with someone that you love and someone that you care about, uh, one of the first things I say it's very important is to be present, right? Be present, be there, and make sure you're actually making eye contact with that person. So put away your phone, turn off the TV, turn off the music, whatever it might be sit with that person and show them that you are present and you are there in that moment right make that time and make that space because that's going to be very valuable to your future relationship um so along with being present um what you also want to do is uh, utilize your body language in a way that the other person knows that you're listening now, with body language, it doesn't mean you just sit there and nod your head and say, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, body language can also be the way that you're sitting. If you're sitting sort of arms back, like lean back, arms crossed, you're not really showing through your body that you're open to listening to the, what that person has to say. So having a more relaxed, um, you know, sort of positioning, um, you know, kind of showing that you're focused on them, keeping eye contact. Now, with eye contact, I'm not saying you're staring directly at them the entire time, but you know, make, maintaining good eye contact, nodding your head once in a while, um, all of those little things will add up to show that you are actually listening. Now, I know that a lot of this stuff just seems like, oh, that's common sense, like that's how we communicate, but it's very, very easy to forget, especially when your emotions are very, very high. I apologize for the noise. I don't know what's going on outside. Um, 
So the next part of that is um, when you're communicating and actively listening, it's important to paraphrase. Now, paraphrasing is something that peer support workers and counselors use, and so I'm telling you their little secrets right now. Uh, with paraphrasing, essentially what it is, is you are just repeating what the person said in your own words. So if your partner says, you know, it's really annoying when you don't put away your dishes, right? And they've said a whole bunch of things like that, taking a moment and saying, okay, so what I hear you say is that you would like for me to help out more around the house, right? Which you should already be doing if you're someone's partner. Um, so taking that little piece of information and showing that you understand by repeating it in your own words can be helpful. Now, use that very sparingly. Don't use it all the time because it gets very annoying. Um, but it just shows once or twice that you're actually listening and processing what they're saying um, and absorbing that information so that you can reflect on it. So those different things, body language, paraphrasing, are very, very um, essential and very important. Uh, so just to recap, being present, um, your body language, and paraphrasing what your partner is saying. Um, or the other person doesn't have to be a partner. It could be your child, your parent, your boss, whoever it might be. Then, um, moving on with relationships, uh, we'll touch a little bit on communication and how to communicate effectively um, with another person, especially when there's turmoil in that relationship. So if you're having some issues uh, in the relationship that you're in, um, there is a very proper way to communicate that will allow for your emotions to be validated, but not bringing down the other person. Um, one of the techniques that I use um, is called uh, person-centered language, right? Um, so you use I sentences instead of you sentences, and I'll give you an example of what I'm, what I'm talking about. So let's say you are getting into a fight with your sibling, right? Um, your sibling always leaves their dirty towels all over the bathroom floor. So one thing that you could say to them if you're angry that might not be positive is, you are such a messy person and you're always making a mess around the house. Cool. Um, that, although your anger is there and it may be valid, you're, you're essentially bringing that person down and their defenses are gonna go up immediately because you're saying, you are doing this, you are this way. You can flip that and make it more centered around emotion and how what their actions, uh, uh, how their actions are affecting you. So I don't appreciate when you leave your towels on the floor because that makes more work for me. Do you see the difference? So the first reaction is the negative one where you're a dirty person, you leave your towels on the floor. The second is the more positive, but that still validates how you feel is, I don't appreciate when you leave your dirty towels on the floor because it makes more work for me. Now in the second way, you'll find that that person's defenses are gonna come down, right? They're gonna be more open to listening and more open to communicating what the problem at hand is. And that's very, very important. Um, and it's hard, right? These things are not easy to do. Like this sort of communication style, this technique, this takes a long time. And it's hard to remember when you're in a very emotional state, right? When you're very angry, when you're very upset, when there's a lot of passion there, um, it's very hard to remember to breathe and take a step back. Um, but it's important to try and remember if you can. It takes practice and it takes time. 
and like I said like I've been doing this for a long time and even now I have a very short fuse for specific things and you know it I forget to breathe sometimes I forget to step back sometimes and my anger gets the best of me it happens to everyone right we're all human but if we constantly try to improve ourselves and take the time to really take a moment take a deep breath step back step back and really think about the impact of what our words are going to be that's going to make your relationship uh, with the person um, in your life a lot better now um, a really hard conversation to have is the relationship between parents and children especially here living out in the west um, a lot of us come from immigrant communities a lot of our parents um, immigrated here or we immigrated here uh, recently um, and we have found that relationships and communication are completely different here than they are wherever we might be from for example my parents are from pakistan i was born in pakistan but my family moved here when i was very young and the way my parents are used to having relationship and communication happen in pakistan is completely different than what we find here and that sort of switch in culture can be quite um quite difficult and it can cause a lot of turmoil especially if uh, you know, parents and children aren't ready to have those conversations. Now, as a disclaimer, in no way, shape or form am I telling anyone how to parent their child. I don't have children of my own, but I have worked with families and I have worked with children um, and parents when it comes to communication and what we can do um, in order to improve it. Um, I'm very thankful that, you know, my parents are quite open um, to, to specific things, not everything. Um, and I'm very thankful that I have my siblings who also are trained in mental health work and we have improved our communication with our parents over the years. Um, and what I'm essentially getting at is with any relationship, specifically with parents and children and children who are growing up, it is very important um, to have a set level of boundaries. Um, and boundaries should exist in all relationships, right? Um, you know, with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, with your siblings, grandparents, your boss, your coworkers, whatever it is, every relationship should have healthy boundaries. Now, boundaries, I know that word sounds pretty scary. It's not that you're putting up boundaries to cut people out, but you're just letting them know that these are the terms of the relationship that would make you feel comfortable and make you feel, um, more at peace if that makes sense for example um let me think here so a boundary that's a very simple one um that i used to have with some of the youth i worked with a long time ago um i worked with a lot of uh, high-risk youth who were you know in in quite a scary time in their life uh, i was a frontline worker for a number of years and one of the boundaries i had with them that i would absolutely not allow them to cross was uh, racism right uh, so you know when you have high-risk youth and they have trauma the last thing on their minds is you know racism or anything sort of political or anything really they just they're more centered around their trauma and and you know just surviving day by day but I would put that boundary up I would tell them listen I care for you and I'm here for you but if you're going to use specific racist words or if you are going to um, use a racist slur or make a racist joke uh, I will not be speaking with you until you can reflect on what you've said. Seems a little bit harsh, I know, and they did not like it at first. Uh, but eventually they learned that one of my things was they can't be racist, they can't make those comments or jokes, um, and they quickly learned why, right? It wasn't just I was shutting them out, I was also taking the moment to teach them why that was important, right? Um, something more relevant, so let's say... Um, 
in a relationship, right? So if you are in a relationship uh, and you want to put up a boundary, it's really important to effectively communicate that. Remember, the people that we have relationships with, no matter who they are, they can't read our minds, right? Um, I am a person who has ADHD and I don't understand how sometimes people just expect others to read their minds and know how they feel automatically because of the relationship they have with them. For me, I always assume no one can ever read my mind or know what I'm going through unless I verbalize it and that's very, very important. Um, so for example, uh, with friends, with your partner, with your parents, with your siblings, whoever it might be, verbalizing your boundaries is very, very important. One of my boundaries um, is, for example, uh, my weight, right? So, um, yeah, unfortunately, and uh, there's a toxic part of our culture, the culture that I'm from, where if you're overweight, it's it's a quite a problematic thing. And I used to just, you know, kind of ignore comments or laugh it off or act like, you know, it was not a big deal, but it was actually uh, bothering me quite a bit. Um, so eventually what I learned to say is I don't appreciate your comment. Please don't comment on my weight, right? Or depending on who the person was taking that moment to say, this is not something I'm willing to talk about because it's very personal to me. And I would appreciate if we didn't have to discuss this, right? That's not easy to do. That takes, that takes a lot of courage, especially if you're facing like an auntie or an uncle in the community, or you're facing like a older sibling or cousin or something. Um, it's not easy to put that boundary up. Um, it's difficult, but boundaries are so, so vitally important. Um, and again, communicating those effectively by verbalizing them is so key to having a good relationship because I can't tell you the amount of times I've tried to mediate, um, situations for people where one person has said, oh, well, if they love me so much, they should already know what I'm thinking. No one is a mind reader. No one can read your mind. That's not a thing, right? As much as you may know someone, you can't read their mind, right? And it's really important to be able to verbalize what is going on through your head. Otherwise, the other person doesn't know, right? And that brings me to conflict resolution. If you have a problem with someone, whoever it might be, that is your problem until you make them aware that there's a problem, right? So if I am angry at my brother for not doing the dishes last night, but I don't say anything to him, he doesn't know I'm mad at him, right? Because I haven't said it to him. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to be pissed off. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be thinking mean things about him. I'm going to be telling my mom and whoever. Until I tell him and say, hey, you were supposed to wash the dishes last night and you didn't do it. And that really is stressing me out. I'm not okay with that. He's not going to know. So that problem is my problem until I verbalize it to him, right? And it may seem obvious, right? It may seem like, oh my goodness, they should know you're, you're mad about the dishes thing. Everyone communicates in different ways, right? You have to find a balancing ground where your communication matches what they need, right? Um, for some people, their communication is very verbal. For some people, it's very visual. Uh, it depends on who you're working with and and what their level of understanding is, who they are as a person, their background, all those kinds of things. So it's really, really important to be able to verbalize what you're feeling in order to communicate effectively. Um, when we are talking about um, back to relationships with parents and children, you know, as parents, you know, you have kids and you want the best for them and you want them to grow up and be the best people and be safe and be happy and be healthy. 
And that's great and that's how it always should be. Unfortunately, it's really hard for parents to understand that, and, and I'm sure I'm gonna go through this as well when I, when I become a parent myself, is we can't control everything our kids do, right? Actually, you can't control anything anybody does. I can't control my siblings, I can't control my parents, they can't control me because we are masters of our own will. And that's really, really hard to deal with. Now, the only way I can relate to that is talking about my youngest brother, who I essentially raised, he's quite a bit younger than me, about nine years. And when he was turning into a teenager, I started kind of freaking out because I knew that kids in his high school were doing drugs and doing God knows what. I didn't want to think about it. And it really scared me. And so my reaction was like, I'm going to lock him up in a tower until he turns like 19 years old or maybe 30 years old. Who knows? And then, then he can go out into the world when he's safe. And obviously that's not something you can do. So what I had to learn was to be able to communicate with him and create a safe space where he could come to me if he had any issues. And that's something that I do with my other siblings as well. I'm the oldest in the family and growing up, you know, in navigating two cultures, right? So our Pakistani culture and also the Canadian Western sort of culture, um, it was hard to put up boundaries and still create a safe space where my siblings could feel safe enough to come and talk to me if they needed anything. And so one of the things I verbalized to them when they started to get older, around the age of 13, 14, 15, I would sit them down and I would say, look, I know you're gonna have pressure from your friends, from peers, whoever, to try specific things or to act a specific way or skip class or whatever it might be. What I want you to know is I want you to be smart enough to make the right choices, but if you ever do get in trouble, I want you to come to me. I promise not to be angry in the moment, all I want to know is that you're safe and that you're healthy. That doesn't mean I'm not going to be disappointed, right? But I just want you to be able to come to me and ask me for help so I can help you when you're stuck. That's really, really hard to do, right? Especially as parents, it's very hard to do. And all of us don't want to think that, you know, our kids are getting up and doing things that aren't, you know, um, seen as appropriate uh, as per religious or cultural rules. But... Honestly, peer pressure is really, really hard and saying no isn't very easy, especially for young kids. So when your child comes to you and says, hey, mom, hey, dad, guardian, whoever you might be, I messed up. That's a moment where that child is reaching out to trust you. They're reaching out that olive branch to test the waters and see how is my parent or guardian going to react. And if you snap at them and if you shut them down, I can personally tell you they're going to trust you less the next time. And that's not easy to navigate. I know anger and it comes out of fear sometimes, especially as parents. You know, you hear, oh my God, my kid smoked pot or oh my God, my kid skipped class or whatever it might be, right? That fear sets in and the anger is the first reaction that comes out. But we're the adults in this situation, right? We need to learn how to take a deep breath and step back and say, I'm really glad you told me. I need a minute to process and we'll talk about it, but I'm so glad you're safe. I'm so glad you're healthy and I'm glad you came to me when you were in trouble. That's not easy to do, right? Me talking about it right now, it seems totally fine, no big deal, but when you're put in that situation, it's scary, right? Um, I had a kid who I worked with um, when I was a frontline worker and this is a little bit of sensitive content, so just as a bit of a warning. 
she came to me one day and she was very scared, very visibly scared. She was shaking. And she said, I have to tell you something. And I was like, okay, what's going on? I was kind of starting to freak out a little bit because I didn't know what she was going to say. And she said, my friend and I met someone online. Now, as soon as she said that, my like defenses went up. I was like, oh my God, who is this? Like, what are they trying to do? Why did she go on the internet to do this? Like, I just wanted to ask all these questions. And I was already starting to have a bit of an anxiety attack. And I was like, I took a breath and I was like, okay, who is this person? And so she explained the story to me and it turned out that there was someone online that they had met who was coming to meet them from a different part of the world. Um, who knows who this person was or if they were lying or telling the truth. But essentially what happened was her and her friend ended up going to the location where this person asked to meet. And they saw the person because they had described what they were wearing, but their face and demeanor did not match the person they thought they were talking to. So clearly they were... Uh, being catfished right so they were being uh, preyed upon by an online predator and she came to me and she told me now like I said that is one of the worst nightmares any parent or guardian or worker could have for a young child right is having someone trying to talk to your child who is a predator especially online I was shaking and I was like oh my god the first thing I said to her was I am so happy that you are safe and I almost started crying and I did cry later on, but I was like, I'm so happy you're safe and I'm so happy that you told me. Thank you for coming to me with this and thank you for telling me what happened. And I gave her a hug and I was like, let's talk about it, right? Let's grab some, let's grab some coffee, like whatever you need to do, let's talk about it. And so we did and we talked it out and you know, she was like, I was too scared to tell you because I thought you were going to be angry with me. And I was like, I'm not angry with you. I'm glad you're safe. And I'm a little bit disappointed, right? Because you've learned about internet safety, right? That you made this choice and you went through and went to meet a stranger that you met online. I'm, of course, I'm disappointed. I'm allowed to be disappointed, right? I care for you. I love you and I want you to be safe. But I'm glad that you were smart enough to run away. Because had her and her friend not run away, I don't know what would have happened to them. They could have died. They could have been kidnapped anything could have happened right the point of me telling the story is that as much as I wanted to freak out as much as I wanted to yell and be like are you kidding me are you dumb what is wrong with you you know better how dare you do this blah 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 the things that we would usually say in this situation which would have shut her out completely from me and she probably would have never trusted me again I took a deep breath and I was like I'm so happy you told me and I'm so happy that you're safe that literal 10 seconds flipped our relationship into a more positive relationship. And we had a lot more open conversations after that. So when we talk about relationships and communications as adults, it is our job to learn how to communicate effectively. It is our job to either take classes or take like seminars like this or whatever it might be, ask questions to see how we can better communicate with the people around us because we are the ones that are making that example for the next generation, right? Now, this doesn't mean you have to be perfect all the time. That's impossible. About a month ago, my brother and I had a complete blow up fight where we were like screaming at each other. We're both grown adults, right? We're both in a professional field and he's still in school. And even then, like we didn't deal with our emotions and our anger with each other 
in an effective way and on a timely manner so it built up and built up and built up and then it blew up it happened but we didn't talk about it after we apologized we talked through it you know after a big blow up like that it's important to come back and sort of put together the pieces of what happened um and it's important to recognize not only how we're feeling but also how the other person is feeling because we don't know how they're feeling until they tell us if you say something to someone and they get upset by it you may not think it's a big deal but to them they might feel differently so when you're talking about situations where you've had an argument or you're talking about situations where there's some sort of conflict or turmoil it's really important to validate the other person's feelings as much as your own feelings need to be validated as well um so the sorry lots of motorcycles in my area um those little pieces are very very important when it comes to relationships and communication now we've talked a little bit about boundaries we've talked about you know taking a deep breath and stepping back and all that kind of stuff one thing i do want to clarify is that you know again no one's perfect if you blow up at your kid you blow up at your kid right um, it's just important that when that happens to recognize what happened and then take a step back and apologize and honestly apologize growing up in this community in a culture where things are so different it is very important to try and humanize yourself more to your children um now i'm not super religious and this i might be a little bit wrong when i say this so please correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure there was a saying by Hazrat Ali where he says something along the lines of when you're when you have children in their first seven years give them unconditional love right so from when they're born to the age of seven unconditional love then from the age of seven to 14 show them discipline show them good character how to be a good person and then from 14 onwards you become their best friend and that's so so important I cannot stress how important it is for children to see their parents as humans and to see their parents making mistakes and learning, like seeing their parents apologize for those mistakes because it kind of takes down that pedestal, right? Um, and it makes your relationship with your parents that much better. I've seen families where the children are so afraid of the parents. They're so absolutely terrified of the parents that their parents have no idea what's happening in their life. If you wanna have a good relationship with your kids, talk to your kids and be honest and open with them. And talk to them about stuff that is hard to talk about, right? Talk about drugs, talk about alcohol, talk about sex, talk about the hard things because if you don't talk to them about it, somebody else will and they're not gonna do it the way that you want it to be done, right? Um, for example, drugs, alcohol, it is the norm in this community, right? And if that's something you don't want your children participating in, you better talk to your kids about that, right? And when I say talk to your kids, I'm not just saying tell them doing drugs and alcohol is haram because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said so. We understand that as adults, but children don't get that. Children need to see things and to be able to measure them in order to understand why they are the way they are. So if I told the child, the 10-year-old kid, alcohol is wrong, wrong or haram because Allah SWT said so, he'll just be like, okay, so. A better way is to show them why it's wrong, right? 
Talk to them about how alcohol affects your liver. Talk to them about how alcohol affects your relationships with other people. Talk to them about alcoholism and what can happen if you continue drinking and it gets out of hand and how it can affect different parts of your life and your relationships and communication and, and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, talk to them about the history of alcohol within Islam, right? How it became uh, to be banned and to be uh, haram or whatever. Don't just say because I said so or because God said so. That's not enough for kids. Kids need more of a measurable reason, right? Um, same thing goes with drugs, right? We don't smoke tobacco because you can get lung cancer. And, you know, hey, my child, here is a picture of a healthy set of lungs. And here's a picture of a set of lungs that, you know, has the effects of tobacco, right? Um, it's really important to show that. And, and I'm not saying show them gruesome, horrifying pictures. I mean, sometimes it's kind of funny to use the scare tactic. But, you know, show them enough so that they understand that these things have a specific effect on our body. Same thing goes with even simple things like, you know, getting good grades or not cutting class or skipping class, right? I'm telling you that you have to get straight A's because I said so. It's a little bit too much pressure and it's not enough for the kids. So talking to them about doing the best that they can because you want them to be successful. And also talking about what success looks like to you and also what success looks like to your children because that might be two different things, right? Um, and all of this is a part of effective communication. All of this is a part of building that relationship and that, that those bonds with your children so that it's healthy and it's happy for everyone. Now, I'm going to talk about something that's a little bit harder, I think, for specific people to hear. Um, and that is the concept of self-care. Ooh, it is your own responsibility to do self-care for yourself and this is really important for parents especially it is not being easy or sorry it is not easy being a parent i kudos to my own mom raising four kids we were atrocious children i'm sure she can tell you all if she gets the chance kudos to her for raising four children kudos to parents moms dads single parents whoever grandparents guardians to raising kids it is hard it is not easy but it is your responsibility to make sure that you are doing well mentally. Now, this is a topic for a different day, but I want to touch a little bit on it just, just briefly. If you are a parent, if you are someone who's come from a traumatic background, now this can be anything as extreme as coming from a war zone or coming from a toxic family or dealing with some sort of trauma in your childhood and you haven't dealt with it, you need to deal with it. Because if you don't, that trauma is going to get embedded in yourself and it's going to come out in toxic ways that you may not even understand. You may not even know that you're doing these toxic things. Alhamdulillah, my siblings and I are all very well versed in, in mental health and self-care. And we had the opportunity to talk to our parent, our mom, um, about her own mental health and well-being because she has been through a lot from her childhood you know what i'm not going to disclose the details but just to me thinking about her coming to canada leaving behind her friends and her family and everyone in pakistan just to come here with my dad and with two kids in tow like that's a lot right to completely change your location and your leader support system like that's pretty traumatic and you know they did it for us and very we're very grateful 
but there's more in her past and, and other things that we have really sat down and talked to her about and said, you know, your, your chronic pain, your illnesses that you have now might be a byproduct of you not dealing with your mental health and well-being and the trauma. And so it's not an easy conversation. I'm, like this conversation has probably been happening for like five or six years now. But I think we're at the point where it's really important for us that she takes care of herself. Now we're all adults and we can kind of, you know, fend for ourselves. Um, but now it's her turn, right? It's her turn to be more self-centered. It's her turn to take the time for herself, work on her own uh, things, you know, make sure she's eating healthy and she's exercising and maybe seeing a therapist. We don't know what that's gonna look like, but it's important. But my point is with this is that parents, it is important that you really deal with your own traumas. And I know that talking about trauma and everything seems like a Western concept. And I've even had people in the community say that, you know, that's something that only privileged people get to talk about, or it's just a Western thing, or I pray and that's enough for me. You gotta really find a way to undo all of that trauma if you're gonna have a good relationship with, especially with your kids, because the world is changing, right? Social media even, whatever, like even schooling and stuff, they're talking a lot more about mental health and self-care. And if you don't take care of yourself, I will tell you, your kids are either going to start to move away from you or they're going to come and tell you to take care of yourself, right? Give you that reminder depending on your relationship with them. So it's really important for parents and caregivers and guardians to take that time and really find a way to work on anything that's been bothering them in their past and work on their own relationships. Now, your relationship with your partner uh, is very important, especially if you have children. Um, a lot of times parents think that kids aren't listening or having private conversations. Children are always listening. Children are always listening. They're little sneaks, right? Um, if you think you're having a private conversation, you're probably not. So it's important to be very, very careful about how you talk to your partner and how you talk about your partner as well, right? And that's vital for your relationships with your children. I've seen time and time again where there's a family, um, where there's a father who's very verbally abusive, um, to the partner in private or in public, whatever it might be, or the um, the wife is abusive, whoever, like there's one partner who's abusive and they think it's not gonna affect their kids. It really, really affects the kids. Um, that sort of stuff is toxic for children, especially at a very young age. You're teaching them to disrespect another person who is someone who also cares for them, right? Um, especially for young boys to see you know, fathers being toxic towards their partners. Um, it teaches them to disrespect women. And I've seen, I've seen with my own eyes, I've seen families where you have the father yelling, demeaning, degrading the mother, and the son grows up and does the exact same thing to the mother and the sisters, right? And in a lot of our communities, we have that patriarchal mindset where the father is the head of the family and they're, you know, what he says goes. We gotta move past from that, right? Gotta move away from it. Your relationship is a partnership. There's an equal partnership there. And... There should not be any sort of degradation. There should not be any sort of demeaning or any sort of abuse um, ever, especially in front of the children. And when that happens and it gets to the extremes, it really affects the way that children think. It really affects the way that they um, communicate with you and your partner. It affects the way they communicate with other people. Um, and it affects the way they communicate about themselves because a lot of times children will blame themselves Children will blame themselves for these issues that you and your partner might be facing. Now, if you're at the point with the person that you are with, um, where things you're trying and things aren't getting better, 
it's it's good to consider getting some sort of marriage counseling now i'm not saying that go do a western sort of thing with marriage counseling what i'm saying is go to your local imam or go to a counselor who is from your cultural or religious background who can understand the context of your relationship and how it was set and how it is so that they can help you because that's going to be very healthy in the long run and if that doesn't work then i know divorce is a taboo but when we talk about relationships we want to talk about our the impact our relationships have have on other people and sometimes divorce is the best option and i know i don't like saying that but if it's too toxic and it's having a negative effect on the people around you, especially your children, I can't tell you how many kids are much happier because their parents are divorced and they are happy than the children who are miserable, stuck with parents who are stuck in a relationship and they won't get a divorce when they really should. So these are just a couple of things to think about when we're when we're talking about relationships and we're talking about, um, you know, how to uh, effectively communicate within them. Um, I don't know if there's any questions i'm going to take a second here and look to see i don't even know if i can see the questions let's see here don't think oh i don't know if we have any but um i have some preset questions oops there we go so we have preset questions someone sent me one second how do I? Okay, so sorry, I'm just gonna take a sip of water and then I'll read the first question. So, the first question that I have is I don't feel comfortable talking to my kids about drugs or sex. How do I have this conversation or become comfortable? That's fair. That's a really big question. Um, drugs, alcohol, sex, these are all taboo subjects in a lot of cultures, right? These are things that we don't talk about. If you really don't feel comfortable talking about these things with your children, find someone you trust to talk to them about it. Now, at Muslim Care Center, um, the peer support workers, which is myself, uh, Nabila, and Shaquille, and I don't want to speak on behalf of them, but I think I'm, I'm, I'll be okay. Uh, the three of us are more than willing to have those conversations with your children about those things. Um, and of course, if there are specific things you want us to talk to them about, or if there are specific topics or the way that you want us to talk, like we can definitely provide that information. Now, why it's important to talk to your kids about these things, and I already said this once, is if you don't take the time to talk to them about your kids, somebody else will, and it I guarantee it won't be the way that you want them to learn about these things, right? Um, my parents didn't really talk to us about drugs and alcohol growing up, um, which, I mean, a lot of parents don't. And the first time I learned what marijuana was is when someone offered it to me when I was like, I think in grade eight or something. I had no idea what it was and I thankfully didn't try it at the time because it smelled weird to me. Um, but I was really confused and I was like, what is this thing that people are doing? I had no idea, I was a very naive child. Um, so if, if you don't do it, someone else will. And it's probably not somebody you want talking to your kids. Uh, it's probably other kids that are doing things that you don't want your kids doing. So. If you're not comfortable, send them our way, right? If you're not com comfortable, find someone you trust, find a public health nurse, find, you know, um, a social service worker, find, you know, reach out to MCC. Like there's so many cool uh, community programs that you can reach out to, to have those conversations with your kids. Cause it's not easy, right? And another part of that question that I wanna address is that a lot of times we think that, oh, if we talk to our kids about these things, our kids will start doing these things. And that's not true. I have an example. I 
went to high school in Edmonton and I was friends with this girl whose parents and family were quite religious, like very much more orthodox than, than my family. And part of our grade 10 curriculum was to do a planning class. Uh, it was called career and life development or something. And in order to graduate high school, you had to graduate that course. And in order to graduate that course, you had to take sex ed. Now, that was a really scary thought for this young girl's mom. And she was like, nope, absolutely not. My child will not learn about sex ed. And the teachers and the principal were like, you know, you really, like, you have to let her learn about it. Like, it's important, blah, blah, blah. She didn't want to hear it. She didn't care. So my teacher asked me if I could talk to the mom or if my mom could talk to that mom. And so I did, right? I went over one day and I was like, auntie, like respectfully, you know, I'm a very young girl. I was 10, grade 10. And, and what I told her was, my first thing was, why don't you want your daughter to learn about these things? And she was like, it's shameful. It's taboo. Like if she learns about it, she'll start doing it. And so I asked her and I was like, well, you know, may God protect all of us and like, we all stay safe, but what if by chance something, God forbid, happened to your daughter, right? And she got, you know, sexually attacked or, you know, molested, raped or whatever it might be, like, God forbid. Wouldn't you want her to know how to protect herself and what the next steps would be, right? And that kind of gave her some perspective. So the only way this girl was allowed to sit in the class as if she sat right beside me and I'm not sure why I was the barrier but that just goes to show the level of discomfort that parents might have with specific topics with their kids and why it's so important to have your kids learn about that kind of stuff right I know a lot of kids in my own community where the parents didn't sign the consent forms for sex ed and I think it's absolutely ridiculous it's either they go to school and learn sex ed from a trained professional or they learn it online where all of us know scary things can happen, right? Or they learn it from someone who's grooming them, which is even scarier. So for your question, if you're not comfortable, find someone who is comfortable, reach out to us, find someone you trust because these conversations have to happen. And if they don't happen in the way that you want, then you're kind of, that's your responsibility, right? So have the conversations because it's going to increase that relationship um and i say that just so you you all know when i say that like i have still never had the sex talk with my parents right um my mom especially because again it was a taboo thing i was very thankful to have people in my life who were older who were able to guide me and like people i trusted which was great but speaking from experience right if i wasn't lucky enough to have people to guide me I don't know what would have happened, right? Because at a very young age, children start talking about these things, start talking about drugs and alcohol and all that kind of stuff. And younger than you think, right? Um, young is grade four, younger than grade four nowadays, right? It's really scary. So, you know, try to find the comfort. And if you can't find it, find someone who is comfortable. Um, reach out and make those connections. Okay, I'm just gonna go off and find the other question I had. Can you talk about domestic abuse? Uh, yeah, I can touch a little bit on it. I think that domestic abuse should be its own seminar, but it is a part of relationships and communication for sure. Uh, domestic abuse in any form is absolutely not okay. 
verbal, financial, sexual, physical, spiritual, all that kind of stuff. When you are in a relationship with a partner or when you are a part of a family, domestic abuse comes in various different forms. If you need help, you need to reach out and get help. And I know it's not easy, but reach out. If you're a young woman, uh, reach out to Nisa Holmes. If you're a young man, I'm sure there's other resources. I'll try and see if I can list them. Um, you know, regardless of your gender, if you are facing abuse, uh, you need to reach out and get help. You can contact MCC. Um, you can also contact honest, the like local um, domestic violence centers. There's safe homes, safe houses. There's ways to get out. Um, know that you're not alone and that you're not the only person who is going through it. Um, it's not okay. Nothing justifies domestic abuse. No religious text, no cultural tradition. Nothing justifies domestic abuse in any way, shape or form. If you need help, please reach out um, and get that help. Uh, it's not easy, but please talk to someone and get the help so that you can get out if that is what the, the case is. So that's all I'm going to say about domestic abuse because it's going to be, it's going to have to be its own seminar because it's really um, a touchy subject. Um, but if you are facing an abusive situation in your home, please reach out and get help. Okay. And let's see. Oops. Oh, we're running out of time. Oh my goodness. I think I will do one more question here. Okay. So the question is, my children don't talk to me and spend a lot of time alone. I don't know how your, how old your kids are. Um, if they're teenagers, yeah, that's, that's pretty, that's not great. Um, so usually when we talk about children growing up, um, and becoming independent and going on their own path and all that kind of stuff, there is an age that we call the sweet spot. Um, and that is between the ages of 12 and 14. Your relationship with your kids is so vital in that span between 12 and 14, because that is when children are pushed into the right or wrong direction, right? That's when they start to move from being a preteen into a teenager, starting to make their own choices about themselves. And your relationship with them is so vital in that moment. So if you're finding your children aren't talking to you, they're spending a lot of time isolated in their rooms, um, just reach out, right? Come with them in a humble way and say, hey, just wanna know how your day was. Try and talk to them, see what's going on, build that trust with them. Um, one thing that I really appreciated that my mom did that actually used to drive me crazy when I was younger, but I appreciate it a lot now is my mom would make a point to know who all my friends were and she knew their names and she would invite them over and she would cook us dinner. And then, you know, being a teenager, I was always like, oh my God, mom, you're so embarrassing. Like, don't talk to my friends. But I'm really grateful for that because she still does that for my friends and all of my friends who are close to me know my mom and, you know, they know her very well. So if you're a parent, you know, know who your kids are hanging out with, right? Know who they are, know their names. Um, you don't need to like monitor them or like know their family, go to the extremes or anything. It depends on your, your personality as a person, but at least know who's in your kid's life and who they're talking to and who they're being influenced by. And it's very important. And also know what your kids are doing online, right? So again don't play spy don't be you know nosy have that trust with the kids and say i just want to know like who are you watching on youtube who are you watching on tiktok who are you following on instagram know those things right because you want to make sure they're following healthy influencers that's the new thing is influencers 
um, when when we were kids, uh, you know, you we would follow celebrities or I don't know, I don't even remember what we did as kids. But now social media influencers are like the big thing, and and there's a lot of really positive ones, right? There's a lot of positive ones from a lot of different backgrounds, racial, cultural, uh, religious, whatever it might be. But there's also a lot of negative ones too. So know who your friends or kids' friends are, who they're interacting with, know what your kids are doing online and just have an open and honest communication with them and ask them, hey, how's your day going? I just wanna to get to know you better. I wanna know, you know, what what your likes and dislikes are. Find an interest in their hobbies, no matter how ridiculous they might be, right? Your kid wants to go, you know, racing at the, I don't even know what I'm just trying to say here, but if your kid wants to do something that seems a little bit extreme, like, mom, dad, I wanna enroll in a drumming class, take part in it, right? I wanna learn how to paint better, go do a paint night, right? Um, you wanna learn how to do karate, go and, you know, participate, participate in your kid's life. And it's not easy, again, being a parent, you're working, you're doing all the other things, but the more time you put in with your kids, the better the outcome is gonna be for you. Um, I can't stress that enough, you know, I see a lot of parents who are chasing that dollar like all of us are every single day, but they don't put in the time with their kids and their kids have no relationship with them. At the dinner table, if there's a dinner table, everybody's on their phones. No one's talking to each other. No one knows what's going on with each other's lives. No one knows what's happening. What's the good stuff? What's the bad stuff? So the more time you invest in your children, the better. You don't have to invest money. You need to invest time because time is going to be the thing that's going to be more worthwhile and that's going to be a lot more, uh, it's going to, it's going to essentially going to create a stronger bond and stronger relationship uh, with your children. So I think that's the last one I can answer because we're running out of time. But just to wrap up, um, going to go back and reiterate a couple of things relationship with yourself is very important know how to be kind to yourself and do self-affirming activities do self-care learning how to communicate is very very important as well learn when you are in turmoil or having a conflict learning how to use i statements instead of you statements is very important instead of saying you are a messy person say i don't appreciate when you leave a mess right because it shows your emotions and it shows something that can be done out of the situation. Making boundaries in relationships is very important, no matter what kind of relationship that is. Be open and honest with your children. Talk to them about uncomfortable topics because if you don't, somebody else will. And that's basically all I had for today. Um, if you have any other questions uh, or any further questions, um, you can follow the Muslim Care Center on Facebook, also on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram, shameless plug. Um, and yeah, if you have other questions, please send them in and hopefully, uh, inshallah, we can find the time to answer them. Um, and uh, we hope to see you at the next live seminar. I hope everyone has the time to enjoy the sun while social distancing. Um, and that's all I have for all of you today. Assalamu alaikum and I hope you have a great day. Thank you.